Welcome to the Ohio Ministry Network podcast. The following audio was recorded at the 2014 Forum. For more information, please visit ohioministry.net. All right, my name is Joe Grubbs, and we're going to talk about breaking through the small church mindset. Eric asked me if I could share a little bit of testimony uh, before I get started so you know who I am. I've been in the ministry for about 25, 30 years. I graduated right out of high school, went to Christ for the Nations, and then I went to, came to Columbus, Ohio, and I was uh, at World Harvest Bible College, and then I was on staff at World Harvest, and probably four or five different churches, from mega churches to small churches. My grandfather was a free will Baptist minister and down in Arkansas, and we went to every Brush Arbor meeting, revival meeting. If the doors were open, we were there, and I saw my grandfather growing up Every wedding, every funeral, anytime somebody was blowing their nose, he was there ministering to his flock. And I really believe in his heart he was probably the greatest pastor as in ministering to his congregation that I've ever seen and a great role model. But his church never grew more than about 100 people. And great heart, but somehow he was missing something. Then I went and worked with some big mega churches. Then you become so big that there was no intimate ministry. And so there's a balance somewhere, but I understand. And I'm going to read some statistics starting off here about churches. It says, in America, 3,500 to 4,000 churches close their doors each year. 4,000 churches every year shut the doors. Half of all the churches last year did not add one new Member. Wow. 1,400 pastors in America leave the ministry monthly. 1,400 ministers leave their office or their position every single month because stress, pressure, it's not growing, anxiety moral failure, all kind of crazy things. But I believe it's because the church mentality, but a lot of them said, I just give up. Man, I've been going and beating my head against this wall for so long. They're not going anywhere, not doing anything. I just quit. And so 1,400 pastors each month quit. Only 15% of churches in the U.S. are growing. That means 85% are not growing. 10,000 churches in America has disappeared in a five-year period. Man, 10,000 churches just completely shut down. Every year, 2.7 million church members fall into inactive. They either quit, not involved, or not doing anything. 2.7 million. The average church in America is 75 to 80 people in attendance. And it says less than 2%. It's 1.8% of churches really have the attendance over 1,000 people. We hear about these mega churches, we see the big thing, but it's only 1.8% of the ones we see. The bread and butter majority of them are less than 100. So what can we do for that mindset? And I was talking earlier before service about what is that mindset? And we've had some issues of, you know, some people have been in the church and entrenched and not wanting to move forward, not letting us to watch, you know, programs or moving forward. And I want to talk about a couple of different things, but what is that small church mindset? A small church 
mentality, is a mindset that we are limited to what we can do for God because we are small. It is the belief that small churches can only do small things for God. The mindset that pastors have to do everything. This mentality is one of the most destructive things a small church can endeavor. Embracing this attitude will certainly stunt the growth of a church. There's two things that most churches need to start off with. Number one is vision. And I believe that you guys are here. You're part of this group because you guys have a vision. We're going to come in here. We're going to reach this community. We're going to go and win souls. Bring them in here. Affect this community. One thing is our vision. You know, Habakkuk said, write the vision. Make it clear that those that can read it can run with it. And I believe it's so important to have the vision. Write it down. Let them know. This is where we're going. This is what we're doing. And everybody knows we all have a vision. But what's more important than a vision is your culture. And your culture trumps your vision because your vision says what I want to be, but your culture says this is what we are. Ooh, you said we're a family church, and we go to your church, you have no children's ministry, no youth ministry, but your culture says I'm not a family church. You said we're a friendly church reaching this community to Mansfield, but when I come to your church, everybody's in little cliques talking to each other. Your culture says you're cliquish and you're standoff. But our sign and our vision says we're a family church inviting everybody. There's a lot of amens going on here. Woo! And so understanding your culture, if I walked in your church, if you walked in my church, what is that culture? Your culture speaks louder than your vision. The thing is that have your vision and then your vision and you're training your people to know the vision and then to implement that culture into your vision. So what are we going to do? How are we going to do it? About 15 months ago, I started a church, launched a church from C3 at Pickerington in Baltimore, Ohio. And a little small church, we had 12 people. And it's called Living Word Church, similarly got 100-year-old building, stained glass windows, beautiful building, but it's just shut down. Old pews, it was soiled, things hadn't been updated in 30, 40 years. It's just people that are, you know, couldn't afford a pastor, couldn't do anything, and we really just had to shut the church down. So I was talking to Conan, and I said, hey, I really feel that I have to go in here, and I believe God has given me a vision, but also not only a vision, but we can create a culture to make a difference in this community. And the good thing about a church plant, you don't have the history. You can come in here. So we went in here. We changed the name. We changed the landscape. We changed the attitude. And we had the group of people, 12, 13 people, come to C3 for two or three months while we did construction. We ripped out the pews. Oh, my gosh. I mean, we're talking about the Holy Grail, the golden calf. Some of the older folks said, you're, you're doing what? We actually got a chainsaw and cut them in half. And they're like, my pews, they've been here for a hundred years. But here's the deal. Before we cut the chainsaw out, and I said, to refurbish these beautiful hundred-year-old pews, it's $10,000. If you would like to write the check, we would love to restore these pews. But I can get all nice, comfortable, padded chairs to help you for only a few thousand dollars. And I then turned it over to them to make the decision. And then if it's their decision, then they're going with it. We don't have the $10,000. We can't refurbish them. But then I said, hey, here's our chair. What do you think? And get a buy-in 
to them. Man, but they are pretty comfortable. And you got to start changing their mindset and have them to not only the vision, but the culture. And when we had 12 people sitting in here on these pews, I got up on the podium and at one at a time I brought them up. I said, what do you see? A bunch of empty pews? No, what do you see? Need some work? Need some paint? And I said, let me tell you what I see. I see people in this community getting saved. See this altar? I see people coming to Jesus. I see people getting baptized. And it took days and weeks to let them see that vision. And I said, now this is what we got to do to create that culture here. We got to change everything, our mindset. We got to change the way we look at things. And then we have to change to accommodate that culture. If we call ourselves a family church, we got to pour our time, our resources in our kids. And we come in here and we renovated our whole kids ministry and we love our kids. We love our youth and our money, put our money where our mouth is. If you're going to create this culture of your family church, you got to put time and money. Don't say, well, we love our family, but we're not spending a dime on those kids or the youth. Put it in here. Create that culture. So we're going to talk about eight things, eight reasons. We're talking about eight reasons why, eight reasons churches who want to grow up stay small. So if you have your little notepad, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. This is going to give you the meat that you need to blow your church up, to blow your community up, to change your mindset. I have some computer parts up here. And I think the number one thing that we're going to talk about right here is the pastor is the primary caregiver. This is what the mindset is of a small church. Let me just tell you as a senior pastor, as the lead pastor, your job is not to take care of everybody all the time for all the situations. Here's my computer parts and the guts. This is a hard drive. This is memory. This is a little fan, monitor, the box, the plug. If you get nothing out of this, To break the mindset is that you have to find the gift and the callings of everybody in your church. Empower them to do their job, find the right spot, and plug them in and connect. You will kill yourself if you do every wedding, every children's ministry, every youth service, everything that that people tell you have to do. You have to be the connector. If you understand that the primary is not to be the caregiver for everybody, to all things. When I go to the hospital, I find an intern. I find a youth pastor. I find somebody that's passionate, that wants to minister to people, and I drag them along with me. You want to go to the hospital? Sure, pastor. So I go with them, and I show them how we're going to go. We're going to minister to them, user etiquette. And then next time I say, hey, you want to go? Now I want you to lead. Then I show him how to do it. Then he does it next time. The third time, hey, will you go visit him by yourself? When I do a funeral, I always have somebody to help me with the funeral. Do a wedding, always have somebody. Home visitation, if someone's sick. We have a lot of things as lead pastors to be doing. Our main job is to be the connector. 
finding people in your church that are gifted and called. You don't need to be leading praise and worship. You don't need to be playing the keyboard. You, don't, you need to be the connector. Find those gifts and callings in each people and develop them and grow. I think I've already started jumping ahead a little bit. All right. The leader's lack of strategy. Wow. We talked about the why and the what with our vision and our mission. Our vision. Why are we going to do what we're going to do? What are we going to do it? But then now, what is our how? We sit around with meetings and meetings and we talk about our vision. We talk about, you know, our mission. But we need to have a meeting for strategy. How are we going to minister to these community? No, I want nuts and bolts. What are we going to do? In this little community, we had 12 people. Last week, we had 120 in our church. Three people got saved. In the last year, we had like 30 people baptized. And it has nothing to do with me other than me getting out of the way, empowering people to get in position. And I listened to a tape by Andy Stanley. And he said, you need to find your leaders and say one thing. You can make this decision. Empower them to make this. Well, pastor, what songs do you mean to sing Sunday? You're in charge of praise and worship. You make that decision. Children's pastors. Pastor, what do you mean? You're the youth leader. I want to empower you to make that decision. Because if you're running around here trying to figure out children's curriculum, you're not in your gift and your calling. You're going to get burnt out. And if you're going to hospital and hospital, nursing home, visit everybody. Your job is to find a group of people and plug them in. And the thing about it is that when you push all the components together and you push the power button and everything's connected, it all runs smooth. We're not jealous. The fan is not jealous of the hard drive or the monitor. Everybody working together in unity, finding their part and understanding the culture. So we have to understand the how. So get together with your team and say, we're not going to talk about vision. We're not going to talk about our mission. We're going to talk about how we're going to do it. So in Baltimore, our village is 2,966 people. That's it, less than 3,000 people. But on Friday night, everybody comes to the local football game. I mean, there's 1,500, 2,000 people at this football game, cheerleaders, football players, moms, dads, and they even have like little peewee cheerleaders and peewee guys come out here and support. I said, I came to one game three or four weeks ago and said, man, here's my congregation. If I'm waiting for them to come to me, I mean, I can set up flags and, you know, send up. So what I did, one of our ladies at the church, their fo- her two sons play football. And they had a program. And I said, is there any way we can put a little spot, a little ad in the handout? Well, pastor, they printed those up. But she did have an idea. I said, okay, they want to know if you would buy little footballs, little bright red footballs, and put Liberty Union football on them. And so every time they score, they are throw up in the stands. As a successful business person, I said, would you mind if I put Now Church is a proud sponsor of Liberty Union football, www.mynowchurch.com. I said, we'll pay for it. We'll give it to you. They said, I don't have a problem with it. So we bought 500 footballs, put our logo on it, put some Every time they score, these cheerleaders grab this thing and throw in these footballs. Like, wow, I'm in a football. They're grabbing these things. I just got 
thousands of people with my name in front of them. Because once you get the mindset that I have to wait here, they're going to come to me. You go out to them. You find them. Get to funnel. Do anything you can do in that community. Sign up for the rotary. Sign up for the chamber. Get anything out there. Don't deal with the small stuff. Empower your leaders to do the work of the ministry. That sounds familiar. And you go out there and touch lives. I think I've already started meddling. Let's go over here. Number three, true leaders aren't leading. Man, all of us know we have elders or deacons or people on our board that are sitting here holding the vision up and not moving forward. They're telling you 15 ways why it won't work. If your leaders are not leading, just very carefully said, you know what? You're, the year is up, and I really appreciate you serving this last year, but I think we need to find somebody else. And then you have people in your congregation right now that are leading. They're in the grassroots. You've got this usher that gets here early, putting the offering in, that really come in here. You don't need a title to lead. And I think empower those guys that are doing something. Get rid of the deadheads that are just giving you a headache. How many people know got somebody in their church like that? They come in here that like tells you a hundred different ways why you can't do something. Man, find people that are around you that will fan your fire, that will put fuel on your fire. And say, what can we do to break this mindset? But you get those old, crusty people and they get, well, now, Pastor, that's never been done before. That's why we're doing it. You know, I had one guy said, you know, Pastor, do you think it's very wise to spend $500 by throwing footballs out of the football game? said, yes, it's a very wise decision. we got thousands of people here. We're launching those things out. And I said, we got like 15 people coming to church, and three people got saved just because they got a stinking football. I think that's a good investment. And so you have to, as a pastor, I know it's the last point I'm going to talk about, but you have to do what God calls you to do. Amen. It is so hard sometimes. You're trying to do all these things, but do what God tells you to do. Release the leaders that just have a title only, that doesn't want to lead, and find the leaders that are raising up, that have passion, have desire, and want to do this, and give them jobs. Hey, come to the hospital with me. Come to the nursing home with me. Hey, go to the football game with me. Let's go out here and start mingling and do some things. Man, and you see those people grow. Man, just because you don't have a title does not mean you're a, not a leader. Every one of our churches have leaders that are, are rising up in our ranks. Pull them aside. Mentor them. Get them in here. And those dead, crusty guys that are pain in the rear, somehow you need to say, man, I really appreciate your service. Man, we're going to try to get a new group in here and make that transition. So true leaders aren't leading. That's the mindset of a small church. Volunteers are unempowered. There you go. Volunteers are unempowered. If someone's got to ask you, that you have to order the toilet paper, you are not empowering somebody. Man, it's awful quiet in here. If they have to ask you if you can paint a children's room, you are not empowering somebody. If they ask you, can I go and spend $15 on new curriculum, you're not empowering somebody. You are too busy doing the father's business to be empower your people. Give them diagrams. Give them parameters. That's what I want you to do. You got a $50 budget. You got a $100 budget. And I want you to go. And I want you to blow this place up. I want you to think outside of the box. If you get out, we'll have a talk and we'll pull it back in here. 
But nobody wants to work for somebody that's micromanaging, that's always saying, well, I don't think you did. And you give them the responsibility, but you don't give them the authority to do it. If you trust your youth pastor, give them the parameters they want, empower them and say, man, your job is to blow this place up. Have as many youth kids ministry. Go visit, do whatever you do, but I want to empower you. And ask them one question. What tools do you need to be successful? If you need to go to a camp, you need to go to a seminar, you need to go, what can I do as a lead pastor to give you the tools to do to be successful, to take this thing to the next level? Empower your leaders. Most small church pastors don't want to empower because they have a me problem. Because if it's a me problem, because you want to do this, you want to do this, but you never can grow. I live in Pickerington, right outside of Columbus. There is a small convenience store. I think it's the Stop, Stop and Carry, little convenience store, a couple, maybe 1,500 square feet. And it's an older Indian couple, probably one generation, two generation, broken English. They run this little mom-and-pop convenience store. And when you go in here, it's the same elderly, probably 60, 65-year-old husband and wife. And she's a little small Indian, has a little dot on her forehead. And, Hello. People run in here, grab the lottery ticket, or grab a case of beer, you know, soft drink. Just a nice little small pop. If you look, come in here, and she's not behind the counter, She's over here stocking the refrigerator. If she's not stocking the refrigerator, she's got produce over here. She puts some things out. She places the order. She runs the cash register. She sells the lottery tickets. She stocks the beer. She does everything. Now, a mile down the street, I have a giant Kroger. Marketplace Kroger that's humongous. That they have a deli. That they have a... 15 lines of checkout. They have an office manager. They have produce. They have all these different departments. Hundreds of people to manage. What would happen if I took that mom and pop and I said, now what I want you to do is I want you to manage and I want you to run this Kroger. The difference is that they don't have the organizations, they don't have the, te- school, the skills, the leadership, the management, or the organization to run this. And just think about your church and this mom and pop, this elderly couple running. They're doing a great job. And if they're out of them, maybe their nephew, their son comes in and walks it. But now if I get this and I put them in here, now that Kroger manager can't be big back there cutting the meat at the deli. He's got to empower that meat manager to do everything he can do to get the best meat out here. Over here at children's ministry or your produce. And you think about now, the store manager is now what he's doing. He's managing managers. He is organizing to be able to grow. But if that mom and pop came over here and said, all right, I'm going to use the same mind, mindset over there as around here. They're running around here cutting meat. Oh, they're coming over here cutting the fruit. Come in here doing this. And it's a mindset that this pastor has to do everything. But if you come back and change the mindset, now your job is a connector. Your job is to find the gifts and the talents inside of your church and plug them in, empower them, and let them go. All right. Volunteers are unemployed or unempowered. All right. The team micromanages. 
or the pastor micromanages. So what I've done now is take it to the next level. All of my leaders, I have seven main leaders in every area, praise and worship, tech, children's youth, outreach, all of these areas. So now your job is to find three to five people in your area for you to empower them. Pastor, you only have 120, 150 people. But if I wait until I'm thirsty to dig the well, it's too late now. I threw the vision out a couple weeks ago. I said, we're going to be 300. 300? We just broke through the 100 and 120. But if we build it for 300, when we get to 300, we'll be stable. If we wait and realize we've got a one-bedroom flat and all of a sudden we want to do a mega-million mansion, the foundation won't hold. And so now if I'm pouring into my leaders, I'm saying, right, now you need to get three to five people and you pour into them. What you're doing because we're going to go to two services. We may go to another campus. Let's build it now so we're ready to sustain. You need to empower and not microwave, micromanage, but find people in your group. You pour into them and say, all right, accountability. You find three to five people that you know that what I pour into you, you pour into them. And you're automatically multiplying. Give them parameters. Give them, say, hey, this is what I want you to do. This is what you want to do. Go out there and pour them. And you will be amazed by seeing your leaders, it's like all of a sudden, start growing, start flourishing. I had a young lady that was, I think, like 20 years old, and she's helping out with the youth, and our youth director had a mild stroke. And I was filling in, and I said, man, I need some help. So I called this young lady that's been helping out with the youth, and I said, would you mind coming in here and helping me? She said, sure, whatever you need, Pastor. And I said, I need you to help me do some icebreakers. I need you to help me come up here with some ministry ideas, some games, and some things for the youth. All right. I said, here's what I want you to do. We got from 7 to 8.30. Oh, my gosh. About a week later, she came by here, gave me six weeks planning out the activities, the game, the ministry. She was sitting there for months waiting for somebody to tap her on the shoulder. I empowered her and said, let's go. I'm thinking, shoosh, man. She was there all the time. You have people in your congregation just waiting for you to tap them on the shoulder. Said, I see greatness inside of you. You got power. I need your help. And we can't, as pastor, do everything ourselves. We have to quit micromanaging and take it to the next level. Oh, my gosh. Too many meetings. We have an elders meeting to discuss the deacons meeting to discuss the children's ministry. Man, if you have a meeting... Have a meeting for a purpose. Have an agenda. Send it out to the people. We get in here. We've got to get about our father's business and do the things that he needs you to do. We sit around these meetings and we talk about the same old thing over and over and over and over again. Get here. All right, here's the agenda. We're going to vote. Yes or no? One, two, three, yes or no? Let's move forward. Let's do it. But we sit around and waste time. We've got a Monday meeting. We've got a Tuesday meeting. We've got a men's meeting. Let's just pull it all together. Let's have one meeting and let's go. Time is money. Time is valuable. We can be out there in a community touching lives, but we get wasted in doing these crazy, stupid meetings. How many people have been in a meeting that you wish to God you wasn't there? Oh, find out. Make the agenda. Send it out. That's what we're going to do. We're going to start from 8 o'clock at 9 o'clock, or we're starting at 7 o'clock and 8 o'clock we're going to be done. You look over, you come prepared, and we're going to hit it. We're going to find out our strategy. We're going to vote. We're going to go here. Bring your ideas. We're going to deliberate. We're going to vote. We're going to move forward. 
man, we've got to affect this community, and we've got to do it now. And the name of our church is Now Church. So I said, look here, now is the time. We're not going to do it last week or next week. We're doing it right now. And you've got to have passion. And the key is you've got to let them see your heart. Numbers is not numbers' sake until you tie it into souls. If I'm a hundred or if I'm a thousand, it only matters because that's how many people that God has allowed us to reach. Well, pastor, I don't want this church to become a real big church. And, you know, it's going to be too big. We won't get to know each other. Isn't that just the most stinking, selfish mindset a church could ever have? That we're actually going to pull people out of hell in this community? Kids and people that are hung on heroin and drugs, and we're going to help them and get them saved, empower them, hook them up to their gift and their calling, and let them minister to the community. And you're saying, well, if we get too many people, I won't get to know everybody. Well, start a small group and have somebody in your house and do Bible studies to do something. But we let that hurdle of saying, I don't want to grow too big because I don't even know everybody. Oh, my God, look at the opportunity you have to minister to more people, to affect... I don't want numbers for numbers' sake. I just want numbers because I'm seeing people come into the kingdom, get saved, get delivered, get them baptized, and send them back out. I'll help you plant another church. I'll let you do something else. But growth comes when we get our eyes off of numbers and get it on souls. Man, I better. I think I've already started preaching now. All right. Too many events and programs that lead nowhere. Man, I think we've all been there. We had a meeting last week. Everybody came to the table and said, we're going to do this, we do this, do this. Our community has five vacation Bible school with seven churches and a small community of less than 3,000. And so our congregation or the leaders came together. Some people want to do a vacation Bible school. I'm thinking, you want to do a vacation Bible school. I understand there might be a reason and purpose you're doing vacation Bible school if that's what God called you to do. I said, we've got five of them in the community, and only one or two of them are actually successful. If we want to help somebody, let's partner with the church that's doing something and support them. Why do something just because it has to be done? We have two events, two, one, two events each year. We have an extravaganza, and I'm telling you right now, we pulled all the stops out. We have the bounce houses. We came, and we had... 5,000 Easter eggs. We had hot dogs. So as a great man of faith and power, I told the staff, all right, let's get 100 hot dogs. And so they came back and said, Pastor, I think we have more than 100 people in the church. Can we get 200? I said, all right, let's do 200. We got there. We had to get 600 hot dogs. Over 1,000 people showed up for this Easter egg hunt. Over half of the community showed up. Kids like galore, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, bounce houses, everything. People showed up. But we do two events, and we do it very, very well. And then we're going to do a fall harvest party in the park, community get-together, sack races, family time. And, of course, we're going to be passing miniature. And what we do is we have a big event, and then after that we have a springboard the next week, we're having a family movie night. We're having a kid's movie night. Free popcorn, snacks, come to the church. It's free. Oh, okay, what are we doing? We're getting this funnel going from here to here to here to here. They come to the movie night and realize we're not a crazy nut, you know, cult out there. Oh, you got just regular people watching a good movie, having fun. You love our kids. 
give them a tour of our children's ministry, show them that we're real. And guess what? You know what? Sunday morning, let's just go check out that church now church. But you have to do events that the community said, man, they've done it right. And a lot of times we do events every month. Your staff gets burned out. Your volunteers get burned out. You're doing too many things. You're like, oh, God, let's do one or two big events. And they're thinking, man, let's... When that church comes in here and they're going to do something, man, it's going to be right. It's going to be done. And then when you get it, you're focused, you're laser, and you're ready to blow this thing up. When people come in, well, pastor, we've got to do a men's ministry. We've got to do a women's ministry. We've got to do this. If you feel like you call to do a men's ministry, guess what? I'm going to empower you. You grab the men together and you go to eat breakfast and you go run it. Uh, no, pastor, want, no, no. If God is giving that vision, I mean, I believe it's you that need to run that. Women's ministry. Man, pastor, you, we need to have a women's ministry. Your wife needs. No, no, no. If you feel God calling you, you get some ladies together at your house, you bake some brownies, and you go. I want to empower you. Uh, uh, okay. Hey, Pastor, we need to start a prison ministry. Man, I'm glad you volunteered to be prison ministry. Man, what do you need? You tell me what you need to do, and we'll get you licensed, and you go. Uh, turn it. Turn it that way. You're not busy managing everything. You're empowering them and let them run their event. All right, that's seven. The last thing. The pastors suffer from a desire to please everyone. Man. I'm telling you right now, I've been there, done that, went into this rural community, had pews that are 100 years old, and people were balking. They didn't like the color I wanted to paint. I put big screen TVs in here next to the stained glass window. Oh, my gosh. Man. But the key is I have to show them the vision. Show them the purpose. And I know that as a pastor, I can't please everybody all the time. To me, that is the hardest thing for a pastor. But if you understand that God has called you for such a time as this, that God will give you the power and the strength to make decisions for the whole, for the community, for the church in general, versus trying to please Sister Smith over here, or Mr. Bob over here. And then always, if you do that, then you're always being trying to cater to everybody. And you need to pull together, get your board, get your committee, and say, look here, I believe this is what God called us to do. Make sure your leaders got behind you. Make sure your leaders, we can discuss everything, but when we leave here, we're going to be in unity. If they got your back, you got their back, and you're in unity, look here, this is what we believe. We're going to let the chips fall. But if they leave, they're making room for somebody else that has the vision that will help you propel you. And maybe, just maybe, that person that's leaving is that anchor that's trying to hold you down. If you let people go, maybe God will bring somebody else in that's twice as qualified. But it's so hard as pastors, we want to please everybody. We want to try to help people. We want to try to get them in here to be part. But if they can't catch the vision, they don't want to change the culture, they want to have that small mindset, and you're ready to take it to the next level, Man, I love you, brother. I love you, sister. But, man, this is where we're going to go. We want you to come along, but if you're not going to come along, we're going. And as you open that door and invite people, one of the greatest things that I did when we first started, I grabbed all of my leaders, and I think we had 25, 30 people, and I said, who wants to be a leader? Right after church, I want you guys to come down. We had a nice basement, had a big screen TV. And I said, I'm going to provide lunch. Went down to Subway, had to $5 subs. Cut them in half to 250 chips and has some drinks. And uh, I had sandwiches for everybody. And I put on 
John Maxwell's 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership. And we sat together, and like I said, 25 was eaten, and I showed the video, a little bit of video, then I talked. And I talked about the law of the lid. And I gave everybody, I had a little 16-ounce bottle. And it's just a plastic bottle, and it's corrugated, and it holds 16. You can open the cup, and it'll stretch to 32 inches. It like whoosh, pops up like, whoa, I did it. Whoosh, and I gave every one of those, my leaders. And for f- four weeks, I think we did like six sessions every week. And I said, God is going to use you. He loves you so much not to leave you at 16 ounces, but he's going to stretch you. And when you stretch and when you grow, it might hurt a little bit. Between my junior and senior year, I played basketball. I grew three inches my legs, oh my gosh, my bones ached. My mom would come in here and be rubbing my legs, and I was hurting. I was painful. But when I got done growing, six foot two, got to play forward and center, played basketball. I was glad that I grew versus I was five foot five and couldn't even touch the rim. I could now dunk it. But sometimes to get to that growth, it hurts. Nobody wants to go through the hurt and the pain of the growth. But when you get on the other side of growth, man, look on the other side. And when you start pouring your life, not into the problem, but into your leaders. And I told him, I said, this is what we're going to do. This is a hard thing. And I said, all your leaders, a year from now, some of you guys are not going to be here. I said, because we're going to go somewhere that God wants us to go. I said, we're going to minister to people and we're going to get people introduced to Jesus. Remember, we're, we're going to get in the mess and we're going to the mire. We're going to go to the prisons. We're going to go down to the mess where the kids are on drugs. We're going to go to the mom's home when they're unneeded and unwanted. And we're going to invite everybody. But we're not going to compromise the truth. We're going to love them. And I said, leaders, when we get together, I don't want you leaders to be talking to each other. I want you to find out we're creating a culture that we love everybody, invite everybody. So as leaders, I'm going to stretch you. And if I see you over here talking to one another during the meet and greet, I'm going to say, hey, look here, we've got some new guests over here. You need to talk to them. Oh, yes, sir, Pastor. And you have to stretch them. You've got to give them accountability. You've got to give them the tools they need to be successful. But it's a small church mentality as the pastor. I've got to do everything. No, your job as a church to grow is not to be this mom and pop corner grocery store that you're doing everything. But the mindset is that you're getting ready to go be a superstore. And God is getting ready to give you vision. God is getting ready to give you people. And you will kill yourself and burn yourself out. If you try to do everything all the time, find people. Jesus had 12. He poured himself into 12. Then he had three that he come in here and spent time with. If you can't give me a list of 10 people or 12 people you're pouring your life into every week, then you're not doing your job. Look at this computer. The key is understand that our job is to find the right people, the right tools, and connect them. And when everything gets connected right, you can push the right button. You can type in and have access to the web. You can have access to resources. You can have access to anything. But our job is not to come in here and to be the fan, to be this, but to find the people, connect them. And to run and to be the church that God called us to be. Amen.
Shoot. All right, we got about two or three minutes. Anybody have any questions for me? All right. Yeah, you have. The question was, if you have a volunteer that's not quite up to where you need them to be, how do you do it? And what I would do, if I find somebody like it, either mentor them with somebody else or, hey, follow me. And I will talk to them. I will empower them. Look at Jesus. He had Peter. God knows about Peter chopping off ears, falling off the water. But he loved him and helped him and encouraged him. Say, all right, come on. You messed up here. But let's get back on the track. And continue pouring into them. We have a tool that we got called Right Now Media. I don't know if you guys have that. It's a new program out. It has 3,200 videos for churches under 100. I think it's like only $79. It has Francis Chan, Andy Stanley, anybody, everybody is out there. They have children's videos. They have youth videos. They have leadership. They have Bible devotions. They have all kinds of different videos. And now I give them books and say, here, a free, the whole congregation, go home and watch this video and empower them and give them the tool to go and to stretch. So good question. Yeah, what it what it is, it's just like churches under 100 is by the bigger the church is, the more it costs. But it's like seventy nine dollars a month. They give you a password and you just give it out to your church. They have uh, launch videos. You can show it Sunday morning. Hey, we've got a new library with 3,200 videos, everything from Bible devotion to men's ministry, women's ministry, kids. The guy who did the Veggie Tales, he's got a whole series on there. Great tool. And so now I'm thinking, all right, everybody have their devotion to men. And right now for the last two or three, our youth have a great youth video section on discipleship. We're showing that on, on Monday night for the youth. Excellent tool. So someone, hey, I'm a little bit struggling in this area. Boom, here's a video. And you can send out launches. You can send out to leadership. And then also the backside, you can see who watched it, when they watched it. And there's question and answers. They can, great tool. So right now, media, we use that all the time. Yes, sir. Joe, at my now church. Dot com. And I'll be happy to talk with you guys. And uh, God, it's just a great, great journey. And here's one thing I would do. If you guys know Conan, if you don't know Conan, you need to know Conan Stevens. But uh, network. What we're doing right here, pick somebody else's brain, get with Eric, get, get with the bishop here, you know. But find out what you guys can do to network and learn from each other. So thank you very much.